Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This message was given by Peter Christofides at our Kubalup campus. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. We end our series on uh, the surrendered life this morning, and next month or the next two months, uh, we begin a series on, on, in the Old Testament on the, the kings, uh, and, and some of the heart of those kings uh, that we read about in the Old Testament. But this morning, I want us to have a look at uh, the surrendered life with reference to the road of freedom. In the time of the early church, there were people that were going around and were saying, it's Jesus plus some of the, the Jewish regulations and rituals. And you had to do certain things to be religiously correct. And so if you look at the next slide, you, you, you see that there are people who begin to, to do things and you must do something at a certain time uh, because that's what the law, that's what the regulation, that's what the ritual says. And I'm afraid that there are some people in this day and age that often carry that out in our churches today, either as people in our churches or individuals. Or some of the churches have rules and regulations. Now, what I'm not uh, trying to share with you today uh, is all must go out the window uh, because that's not good. But how do we live our lives as men and women of God with reference to the things that we're called to do? How do we understand freedom or the road to freedom to be? Folk, if you look at the next diagram there, uh, it's interesting. Because it begins to, to show us uh, the difference between uh, law and freedom. And you'll see in the one corner there uh, that, that there is law in the one segment and grace in the other. But when you take those issues to an extreme, then the one results in legalism and the other one results in license. And what we mean by legalism is that there is a certain way the church operates and I demand that it operates that way because it's my way of doing things and that's what I demand of everybody. That's what we call legalism and that's dangerous. On the other extreme, we can actually say we live under God's grace. It's no longer those Old Testament rituals and regulations, but as you go through grace you can say, well, they, nothing applies. And that allows for license to do anything. And so I, I've, I've put a, a bend in that box there because we live between the two. We live between the two because there are times that we live by God's law uh, and other times by God's grace and we vacillate between the two. And can I say what I'm about to share with you today is caught. It's not taught. It's caught. It's not taught. And so you might have heard this many, many times. My prayer is that you catch it this morning because it sets people free. The other one binds people and it becomes hard work and drudgery. But understanding God's grace, I believe, makes us even more obedient to God. But it's also done with the right attitude of heart. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 15. Paul writing, and he wants to share with him about you know, the, the fullness of Christ. And he writes, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, received him, 
See how many times he talks about in Christ and in him. He says, your li- uh, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Now, folks, the word philosophy is an interesting one. It's philosophia. Philo, love, one of the four Greek words for love, philo, and sophia, wisdom. I find it very ironic because it's often through strong arguments that we think that we've arrived to a better place. That's exactly what Paul is writing against. I want to suggest that instead of philosophy, the love of wisdom, which comes with time, what they have held on to is philology, fancy words, love of words, or even philognosia, love of knowledge. And that's extremely dangerous. The more you know, the more spiritual you are. And so he's saying, don't be deceived through hollow words uh, that can easily lead you astray, which depends on human tradition, you see, and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than who? Christ. Verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ... You have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In who? In him. You were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the circumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with philology, with love of knowledge, with philosophy. No, made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I grew up in Johannesburg, and we had a cat. Her name was Smokey. And uh, Smokey grew to the age of 13 years, and a uh, beautiful cat. Uh, and, but she had a bit of an issue. She used to play with her tail, and also used to chase her shadow. And so, you know, poor Smokey didn't get it quite right. She thought her shadow was real. And uh, clearly she was not all together there. Um, And I think that many well-meaning Christians can often be like that. There is a shadow that they follow that makes them safe and secure. And I want to suggest to you that that shadow are those rules and regulations that keep us safe. We know that they reflect something, but they are actually empty and meaningless. And so I want to share with you this morning um, some fake alternatives for grace. Knowing that that diagram of law and grace we live in between, sometimes we can get extreme, which is extremely dangerous, 
are on the law side and other times the grace side. But you know, as we begin to live in between that line between law and grace, we vacillate between the two. The danger is to go to that extreme. And that binds us in both areas. And so, uh, what are some of the fake alternatives of grace? Because Jesus speaks about this whole issue of, of being entrusted to him because he is, uh, what we read in verse 9, the fullness or the substance of grace. And that word, uh, fullness or substance, is, is the word pliroma, which is, is, there's a picture of a ship, but it's not just in the harbor, empty, just waiting and floating. That ship is out there in the ocean, full of soldiers that are on their way to battle. You see, the ship in the harbor is safe. But when it goes out, that's where it needs to be tested. And so what he's saying here, in Jesus, we experience the fullness of his very presence and his power in our lives. And that's the substance of God's grace compared to the legalism and the shadow substitutes for grace. Where do we find some of these fake alternatives? I think firstly, uh, in some of the eating rules. Some of the eating rules. Uh, And what do I mean by that? Well, he says in verse 16, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. So what What Paul wants to do is move them away from rules and regulations which are bound by religion. Bound by religion to a relationship with Christ. Now that's the difference between legalism and license. The one has got to do with a relationship with Christ that sets me free to do what he's called me to do. The other one binds me. You're not allowed to do this, that and the next thing. And if you do, you don't cut it. The one says, I'm free, and what a privilege it is to respond to God because of who he is. You see, the Old Testament contains a long list of rules and regulations of what uh, the Jewish people were and were not allowed to eat. They were allowed to eat fish with scales, but not fish without scales. They were allowed to eat uh, certain uh, foods that were okay. They were allowed to eat Uh, meat, but not pork. And that wasn't a problem. In fact, it was probably very healthy for them because the word that's used is kosher. They ate food that was kosher, food that was fitting or proper. That's what the word kosher means. The problem was that if you didn't abide by those rules and regulations, you were condemned. And so they would rather starve rather than be caught eating that food that would actually bring nourishment. You see, it's those rules and regulations that bind people. And so we have people who might be, and this is is not offensive, you know, it's not right to be vegetarian or not. That's not the point. The point is when you demand everybody else to be exactly like you, that's the point. That's the danger. And so perhaps my body cannot handle meat. But if... Clearly it can. And too much, I would agree with you. I know what you're thinking. And I need more vegetarian. I agree with you. But it's when people demand my way or the highway. That's the dangerous part. And that's what Paul is speaking against. 
And so don't let anybody judge you because of what you eat. You see, because it's not, according to Matthew 15, when Jesus spoke to them, it's not what goes in, but what comes out, you see, that is important. And so the Old Testament dietary rules were nailed to the cross because of what Jesus Christ did. And that brings freedom. Secondly, some of the religious holidays, and it carries on in verse 16, do not let anyone judge you with regard to a religious festival or the new moon celebration. And so every year the Jews celebrated major festivals uh, like the Passover uh, and the Feast of Weeks or, or Pentecost but also the, the Feasts of the Tabernacles and the Day of Atonement, or what we call Yom Kippur. And there were monthly festivals that they had to abide by uh, every seven years, the, the year of, of uh, the sabbatical, but also 50 years, the year of Jubilee. And so all of those things uh, had to be abided by. And don't you get caught not celebrating those holidays. Now, friends, you can't go, that was 2,000, 4,000 years ago. But what about today? Well, I counted, we have 10 religious holidays, or 10 holidays in Australia. We have New Year's Day, Australia Day, Labor Day, Good Friday, Easter Monday, Anzac Day, Western Australia Day, Queen's Birthday, Christmas Day, Boxing Day. It's 10 days. Hallelujah. We wish we could have more. But it's when those days become more important than the reason why we celebrate that becomes a problem. Do you see what we're talking about here? Uh, I, I worked out just recently, that just some of the other days, and you'll know way more than me, you know, there's Best Friends Day. There's uh, Hugs Day. One country I read has Fly Your Kite Day. Recently, I got a muffin from this little stall, Blue Stocking Day. Interesting. Are You Okay Day? Now, those are not necessarily bad, but when we become legalistic about them and we make those holidays more serious than the purpose of its commemoration, that becomes dangerous. I remember somebody writing me a rude email because our boy went and celebrated Halloween Day. Now, you know, it's like dressing the kid up in something and sending him up and down the street with his mates for chocolates. His parents sent him out for those chocolates. Well, certainly his dad did. Um, you know, you know it's, it's kind of having a little bit of fun because those kids have no idea what Halloween is. You are a bad pastor. How dare you train your kid up in those evil things of Halloween? Well, perhaps that email was more rude than my boy going to get chocolates, which I wasn't going to share with you anyway. You know, and, and so... Well, I feel better after saying that. So, so do, do you know what we're talking about here, folk? And that's important. You see, there's so many people say, well, you know, we don't celebrate Christmas because it's the 25th of December, the birth of Jesus, and that's not when he was actually born. We all know he wasn't born on the actual day of the 25th of December. There's no proof that he was. But, you know, we celebrate the birth of the Savior of this world. That's way more important than the 25th of December. Oh, Easter, we don't save Easter because it comes from this pagan goddess Ishtar. Well, that's not the point, friends. The point is that Jesus died on a cross for you and for me, and he rose again for you and for me. That's way more important than the jolly name, Easter. And that's what Paul is talking about here. You see, 
At the end of the day, we look at the Lamb of God that John spoke about. Behold, open your eyes and see the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's way more important than the name or the title. And so whatever day it is, we celebrate it, and that's important. So fake alternatives for grace are these religious holidays and these eating habits. But another one is kind of performing the Sabbath. He says again in verse 16, Do not let anyone judge with regard to the Sabbath day. You see, some people are very legalistic about that fourth commandment, that we must obey the Sabbath. We cannot do any work. And so God forbid if somebody breaks down, uh, no, I don't work. We knew a friend uh, back in, in South Africa that um, they wouldn't open the gate if the gate got stuck to let us in to, so we could come and see them. They'd prefer that we come on another day rather than on their Saturday. They loved the Lord Jesus Christ, but they also obeyed some of the rituals, and they put them in absolute legalistic fashion that you, know, you distance yourself and you don't show the love of Christ to anybody. That's extremely dangerous. And so what Jesus said was, be careful, because if an animal gets stuck... Because it's the Sabbath, you don't go and help them. You'd rather let that animal suffer and die. If your friend falls and hurts himself, you don't pick him up because that's work, because you're celebrating the Sabbath. The principle of the Sabbath is the important one. You know, is it a Saturday? Well, from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, or is it Sunday? Well, friends... Legalistically speaking, it's on a Saturday according to the scriptures, but we celebrate it on a Sunday. What's the point? Are we all wrong? Because it was the Emperor Constantine who, in the fourth century, a Roman ruler, by the way, that said, Hey, it's sun, S U N, the sun that shines day. And so you celebrate whenever you want. And then the Roman Catholic Church put it into uh, dogma. Uh, and that's what changed why we celebrate Sunday and not Saturday. But that's not the point. The point is that it's a time of rest. It's a time of rest where, where we come before God and we celebrate Him. Now whether you celebrate Him on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday or Sunday, that's not the point. It should be every day. Because worship the Lord is not one day. It's a lifestyle, you see. So when I wake up in the morning, I glorify him for what he has done for me. I thank him. And, and I've put there performing the Sabbath because we can often perform the Sabbath like those legalistic Pharisees. That's not what Christ wants. And so this whole idea of rest uh, is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That Hebrew word, Shabbat, is the Greek word, Anapavo, and it's the equivalent there. I will calm you, and you will find peace in me rather than on the day. And so we rest in Jesus. That boat... That ship that goes out, it's easy for it to rest in the harbor. It's when it goes out into the ocean, fully laden with people and soldiers ready for war. That's when it puts its faith and trust in the one above. That's the background to that word uh, that we're talking about here. So what are some of the alternatives to finding this fullness uh, and substance in uh, God? What are some of the signs of grace 
that we pray to God that we experience in one another's lives and please God in our church. Well, I think the difference between a person who's judgmental and critical versus a person who's accepting and wanting to help. But even a church that is judgmental and critical versus a church that is accepting and wanting to help. Well, you see, a judgmental and critical person um, picks fights with other people, picks fights with other people, and tries to find wrong, and compares themselves with everybody else. I hit the standard, you didn't, you're wrong, I'm right. You see where legalism comes in? And they don't even realize that the other person has a problem and are so insensitive to that other problem. You see, grace doesn't just accept anything or minimize the problem, but it says, I open up my heart to you and I want to help you. And so, can I say publicly from the pulpit that uh, in our church, we don't say, first clean up your act and then come. No, we're saying, whatever issues you have, we want to walk the road with you to try and help you. Because guess what? We all have issues. We all have issues. We all have issues. And we walk the road together. You see, Jesus said in John 14, he left us the parakletos, the helper, the comforter, the one who comes alongside us and helps us and walks the road with us. And then he asks us to do the same to one another, encourage one another to come parakaleo, alongside one another, to put our shoulders under the other person's armpit and to walk the road with them until they can stand on their own two feet and do the same. You know why? Because when I was strong, you were weak and I was able to help you. And guess what? Tomorrow I'm going to be weak and you'll be strong and you need to help me. That's the church. And so legalistic people are judgmental and critical, but grace-based people are accepting and want to help. Secondly, there is maintaining an image with, with legalistic people. They can't afford to be honest about themselves or their faults, and so they struggle uh, on their own. You see, you didn't cut it, and so you, know, you, you don't make and hit the mark. And so they wouldn't share their problems with anybody else because they might get judged. Meantime, they will never reach the mark that the church or other people set for them. But appearance is so important. Don't show anybody that you're hurting. But you know what? Grace-based people are honest and transparent and trust. And they're able to share their heart because they realize that there's somebody else. And so if you were to come and say to me, uh, I've got an issue, I might go, God bless you. All the best. I'm busy. Go and sort yourself out. No. I don't do my cross and say, God bless you. I say, how can I walk the road with you? And we're here for one another. You see, that's the difference between maintaining an image and suffering on your own and allowing somebody else to walk the road with you because you're honest and transparent. I pray that our church is a safe place where we can share with one another and walk the road together. Thirdly, 
legalistic people keep their distance. They might smile, they might shake a hand, but as soon as you turn away, that, that smile is gone from their face. They fake it all the time. You see, they create acquaintances rather than deep friendships. Grace-based people understand their faults, I suggest to you, and they're able to actually accept other people and share their hearts with other people, and because we share our hearts together, we become friends. Not just acquaintances, we're there for one another. Remember in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5, Paul talks about all those awesome characteristics about uh, love. And he says, love keeps no record of wrongs. I don't remember what you did yesterday because I'm just as broken as you are. And so let's build one another up rather than break one another down. Folks, this is all in the context of what Paul is talking about in Colossians 2, the difference between legalism and God's grace, the the rules and regulations that we can never meet anyway. But by his grace, we're able to walk the road together. The fourth one, and we're nearly done, uh, the difference between our appearances, see our clothes that we wear, Ladies, there's a certain way of dressing. Men, there's a certain way of dressing. Please hide tattoos away, earrings, you know, just one ear uh, and, or two ears, but one. That's not uh, what it's all about. This judgment, uh, you know, pointing a finger at somebody else. God forbid you, you have a tattoo, you know, or what kind of Bible do you read? In this church, we only read a certain translation. Well, you know what? That actually pushes people away. Some of my mates will only read the King James Version. They have no idea what it says, but it's, they, you know, it's, it's huge, and that's the only translation we read. Well, mate, you're not even reading it from the original anyway, so don't boast and make enemies in the process. But you see, grace-based people, it's all about the matters of the heart. Where we actually say, you know what? Not that there's no standards. Jesus gives standards. But it's circumcision of heart rather than circumcision of the flesh. It's not about what translation of the Bible you read, but how you put what the Word of God says into practice. It's about drawing people in rather than pushing people out and away from the love of Christ. The desire is not to make barriers, but to please God. And finally, the one leads to spiritual depression and the other one leads to freedom and joy. You see, we don't need to put on this, this veneer, this outward uh, show of happiness. Because that's circumstantial. I'm happy at one stage because I eat my favorite foods. I'm not so happy at another stage when I can't eat my favorite foods. But freedom says it's all rooted in Christ. I don't need to put on a happy face when I come to church but it's, and because it's all about keeping the rules, but it's because of who Jesus Christ is that I find that freedom. You see, the law binds people. It chains them to a certain list of rules and regulations. But instead, Christ sets us free. We are bound to him. We find the pleroma, the fullness of his substance. And so that sets us free to be able to serve him with all that we are. Can I say this? For 40 years of my life, I lived under the corner and in the corner of legalism, and it worked well for me. It worked so well for me. But praise God, the last 12 years, 
I've been set free. I've not arrived. Now I've realized what a long way I have to go. Before I thought I'd arrived, but it was a shadow. Like my cat Smokey's shadow. It was fake. It was false. It was pseudo. Pseudo. When the heat got turned on, the makeup melted, you see. But now, praise God, I'm able to walk the road with people. And praise God, they're able to walk the road with me. And freedom comes slowly. But boy, it's definitely there. That last picture is a picture of an escalator. And as I look at this escalator, the one is going up and the other one is coming down. You know what I wanted to do all my life? I wanted to go up the down escalator. I would get there. But it was hard work, man. You see, get onto the right escalator. It helps. The difference between law and grace. Get it? They both look exactly the same. But the one by choice says, you know what? That's the way to Christ. He has done that for us. The other one says, I will make my own way. Because I'm right. Because those are the barriers. Now, folk, when people are coming down and you're going up, it's really hard work. It's really hard work. I don't know what you get from that. But I think we all are on a journey between law and grace. But please, God, may we not be found in the line or in the corner of legalism versus the corner of or the, the side of God's grace. I believe that after four years, God has been with us and will continue to be with us another four at least. I pray that we might walk the road together in freedom and in joy, serving and making the name of Jesus famous. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you that we can acknowledge that we are broken people, but we desperately need you. Lord, go before us, guide us, lead us. Thank you for being with us for our last four years in our church and in our lives. We pray that you'll go before us uh, the next four, Lord. To you be the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.